Retro Hangover, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Stunt Still Smash the Milkman, Raging Demon, Katie Quigg, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, The Backlog, Lunchbox, aka The Disgruntled Gamer, Discimera, Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Dave Jackson, Matt, aka Stormageddon, Retro Overdrive, Van Fernal, Keith Gasper, Eric Guess, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash Event, Alan Bingham, Storm Beagle, Ryan Player One, Mike the Ref from Backbreaker Gaming, B Ross from Super Garbage Day, Darth Emic, and Low Five Alex. Your continued engagements and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover. and classic gamers welcome to the podcast where we gather great goods graciously gorging gluttonously this is retro hangover i am your co-host chris copleen with special guest game development veteran and 3d artist kiyoshi okuma and as always your host shane mmm dick Sustenance Dragon Koski Dick Dragon requires food badly. <laughs> I don't think they say that in this game. Unfortunately, they say you're about to die. <laughs> That's true. Warriors <laughs> about to die. <laughs> I also dropped that noctive. I realized that while I was saying it, I'm like, ah, I wasn't as loud. I was more the maybe that's more of the ring announcer. Maybe that's why little people wrestling has not contacted me yet. After <laughs> I have said that multiple times in the history of the show mm. to be a ring announcer, you know where to find me. Hire me, you cowards. I will do it for you, <laughs> I, especially in Florida. They have to have that in Florida. Uh, I mean. Listen, we've got meth and gators, so I can't imagine that we wouldn't also have that amongst everything else. I know. I'm deeply disappointed. But what I'm not disappointed about is today's guest. We have a fantastic guest here in Kyoshi Okuma. Thank you so much for joining us to talk to us today about Gauntlet Legends. And I'll kind of let you give your own introduction as to why I might be so excited that you are here today to talk to us about that. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I worked on Gauntlet uh, when I was basically a freshman in the game industry, and um, it was one of my first games, although actually not my first. It was quite the the exciting development for me, being uh, fresh into it. So nobody's really talked about this game too much, so I'm excited to to be here and give some thoughts about it and uh, development details. Well, I, I, for one, am stoked. That may or may not throw off, like, the the mystique of the ending of the episode. I don't know. But, you know, whatever. Fuck it. Like, I love Gauntlet Legends, so this is, I'm, I'm very excited about this. Well, I'm glad you guys like it. 
<laughs> it was. Hey, uh, I haven't I haven't said anything yet. So. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at, at least fifty percent of us like it. Chris is a spoiler, no matter what. <laughs> I will make it seem like I'm going to shit on this game, even though I probably won't. But I'm going to pretend I will, <laughs> just to create some suspense. Maybe I will. Who knows? But once again, thank you so much for coming here on the show. This isn't the first time we've had a developer on the show, but I think it's the first time we've had someone who's been directly involved in the the game du jour mm-hmm. and hasn't been an interview per se. And so it's it's going to be great just talking shop and talking about this game. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear what we all think about this. And especially coming from someone who who was there in, in the studio while this game is being made. I'm very excited about that. Uh, but before we get into that properly... We always open up the show with what game we have been playing lately. As is tradition, we let our guest go first and talk about which game that they have been diving into. So, Kiyoshi, what game have you been playing lately? Well, I've always wanted to play Persona 2, but as some people know, Persona 2 actually has two parts. It has the Innocent Sin part and the Eternal Punishment part. And in North America, Eternal Punishment was the only part they released for quite a long time until the PSP version. I don't remember when that came out, but it was quite a bit later. Me not actually enjoying handhelds and my PSP being very much on the edge of death right now. um, I didn't play that (laughs) on PSP, so I'm actually playing it on the Mr. Playing Innocent Sin as a fan translation. Although I'm wondering if they took the text from the PSP one or not. I don't know. But um, yeah, been having a good time with that. It's uh, If you want to do everything in it, it's kind of grindy. But um, you know, being able to see Persona 2 finally is uh, exciting for me. And it's, uh, it's weird because I played the Persona games in a very odd order. I played like one and then I played five and then I played four golden. And then like I should have played three next, right? Going in that reverse order. But then I'm playing two now. So <laughs> that's what I'm playing. Outstanding. Yeah, I, I remember getting Persona 2. Innocent Sin was the one that we got for the no, PlayStation Eternal 1, correct? Punishment. It's actually the Eternal Punishment. Part. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got that when that came out way back in the day, and that was actually the game that inspired me to finally buy a digital game on the PSN, because I don't think I'd bought any prior to that. I, I do think it's interesting, and I have the PSP version of Innocent Sin, so yeah, and I have it balanced out, but I think it's funny that Innocent Sin didn't come to the United States on its first go round, and then on the PSP we didn't get Eternal Punishment. Right, that, that was bizarre. <laughs> that was very bizarre. It's like it's so you weird. You can't like commit to the the both of them <laughs> on any platform. We make it a mystery. You have to search for things and things and spread rumors apparently in order to get That's what you correct, want. Yes, it's it's a Joker's affair. Are you enjoying it? Are you are you having a good time with it? Uh, so that's the weird thing. Like, I thought I was gonna really have a great time because I actually I really liked Persona One. I thought it was it was very well done. Um, but it's been a long time since I played it. And then playing this one, I'm like, wow, this is really grindy. Although it's partially because I'm trying to do a lot of the extra content, also I guess. But I also want to you know build personas mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's you know you have to do a bit of grind just to get the. Uh, they're like tarot cards for the different personas that you want. And so you have to fight battles just to talk to uh, the monsters and then get your personas in that, doing that stuff. And um, I don't know, it, it just, the game goes very slowly when you want to do all that stuff. <laughs> so I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere too fast, but I do like a lot of the plot elements and I like 
I sort of like the characters. I think I like the characters from Persona 1 better so far, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm not that far in the game yet. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. It's still a Shin Megami Tensei game. This is before they completely changed everything. So Yeah, yeah, it feel, it still feels a lot more like SMT. That, that formula DNA is still definitely there. And definitely. not as much like the Persona 3 onward games. You don't have a school schedule. Oh, yeah. You don't, you know, there's no calendar. No waifus. No, no waifus and no social links. <laughs> Thou art maidenless. <laughs> that is literally the only thing I can contribute to this discussion because I'm just sitting here like I'm like the dude from Good Burger, just like looking at that paper and be like, mm, "Yeah, I recognize some of these words." Like that's all I've got. <laughs> Speaking of Good Burger, have you been to Arby's? No. What game have you been playing lately? <laughs> Shane. Uh, well, speaking of Arby's, no, that's, I don't even know how that's related. Uh, let's see. What have I been playing? Um, hmm. Is that about waifus? Anyway. I, I mean, listen, if you're into that, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to shame. Okay. But, uh, I have, I feel like, uh, you know, actually it's going to be a momentous occasion when I don't say this, I think, because we've been on such a, a roll with it. Uh, that I have not really had a chance to play a whole lot of anything, but I did at least get some time in on the uh, season two slash the midwinter blight event in Diablo four with uh, with my seasonal character that I got going on there, my my druid, and uh, had a good time with that. I'm trying to see if I can get most of that winter event stuff done because I think that wraps up. Uh, right after the first of the year. So at the time of recording, I've only got uh, a few days left. So we'll see how that goes. But outside of that, um, honestly, not not a whole ton. I did on stream recently, which if, if you, you know, would join us on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern time on twitch.tv slash retro hangover, you would have seen it. Plug, plug, plug. That's right. But our wonderful patron, Randall, uh, gifted me a copy of a game that I had on my wish list called Biota. And I really, really like that game. Um, I got super into it on the stream and I'm, I'm still going to work on trying to finish it up, but I, I highly recommend that. I thought it was going to be a straight up roguelike and it turned out to be actually more of like a, honestly, I, I kind of actually hate using this term now. And, and I think Chris is with me on this one, but it, it, it's a little bit of a Metroidvania I feel like I, uh, I, feel, I feel dirty saying that now, but it, but it is, <laughs> I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, but anyway, it's super good and it's relatively inexpensive. So I uh, highly recommend that game to, well, pretty much anybody, I think. But uh, but that's that's kind of it for me, man. I haven't really had a whole lot going on, uh, except for, of course, the, the game du jour and checking out my save files that still exist on my N64 controller pack which we'll talk about in a little bit but uh what what about you chris what's what's been keeping you busy these days so i always love to plug the rhrc the retro hangover review crew and i've been playing some shovel knight and i beat that but i'm gonna withhold my comments for that game because we will be playing that next year mm. so you will be getting a full-fledged episode of shovel knight sometime in 2024 think first quarter and i'm really looking forward to that episode that's that's the slightest of previews there. Maybe I really hated it. You never know. I didn't. <laughs> In terms of other games that aren't related to the show, I actually sat down like a big boy and beat Metroid Fusion. Oh, 
I know that's going to sound shocking to people that did see me play this on stream. What I figured out the problem was is that I was playing it on stream. <laughs> this is nothing okay. against this is nothing against streaming or people who stop by to watch me play <laughs> it's the all game. Your fault. All, yeah, it's all your fault. Actually, no. That is, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. This is the Star Fox Zero syndrome, right? Exactly. I am going full heel here, and I'm going to let you know, dear streamers, it is entirely your fault that I sucked at Metroid Fusion because as soon as I played that game on my Wii U with my Wii U Pro Controller Classic thing, the, the, well, it's the Wii controller, not the Wii U controller. Anyway, as soon as I started doing that, I was excelling. I was thriving. I think they still use that as a term for doing well. I was just doing excellent. So, yeah, it is your fault, streamers. And I don't care if you have excellent comments and commentary and great discussion in a vibrant community that we have over there. It made me suck at Metroid Fusion. Which is fine because the game is, you know, it's good, but it's not great. I had a good time with it. But yeah, I beat it. Gamey. <laughs> I think the more important point there is that you were just playing it on the Wii U. I, I think that's really what it is. You know, you got to You got to be in your element. Well, I wanted to play it on my GameCube, but I was I was nervous because I don't know if I have the cartridge that has the battery backup or not. Mm. And I didn't want to get into like a good two hour play session and find out that I did and it no longer worked. So I was like, you know what? My Wii U is right here and things still work on that. So I am going to go that route. And at least I know that going that route did not hurt me. But I do have the physical copy, so there's that. Reminds me of that time that I played Nier and then my Xbox 360 hard drive died and I lost, like, a game where I was halfway through it. Those were good times. I have, like, NES games that <laughs> still have batteries that work, so I'd be surprised if a Game Boy Advance game's dead, but I guess anything can happen. I, I'm just terrified. I know what happened to Pokemon, but then again, Pokemon has a clock too, doesn't it? Oh, does it? I don't know. I don't play Pokemon. Yeah. Day-night cycle. You're smart, like me, because I don't play Pokemon either. <laughs> I just, wow. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta cut out things in your life to, you know, keep yourself from going overboard with the JRPG genre. So, you know, exactly. Pokemon is my one omission. It's like, I don't play any Pokemon. It's just like a rule now. <laughs> I mean, I could completely understand that. Yeah, I'll say I, I don't either. I, I played Pokemon Red and I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm good. Yeah. Last one for me was Silver. But we talked about that like a hundred episodes ago, so. Well, actually, in the sake of full transparency, I did play another one, but it was the that Pokemon oh. Eevee one, which was literally just a remake of Pokemon Red. So <laughs> I basically just played the same game twice. But enough about Metroid Fusion and physical copies and broken backup batteries. It's time to get into the game du jour, which, of course, is Gauntlet Legends. and as we are wont to do, we go over the brief history of our game of the day. So Shane, you are super stoked. I am. So I think that I think that you should be giving this brief history on Gauntlet Legends. In 1985, gaming saw the release of one of its historic franchises in the arcade game Gauntlet. Players would take control of one of four different character classes, inspired by Dungeons & Dragons, as they made their way through a series of mazes, 
fighting off hordes of enemies en route to the exit. A player's health would slowly drain over time or be lost to enemy swarm attacks, and the only way to stay alive was to find meat in the stage, or of course, more quarters. Gauntlet was a huge success, spawning home console ports, sequels, and would inspire countless games of its own. In spite of its early successes, Gauntlet had become somewhat of a shadow of its former glory by 1991. Gauntlet 3 The Final Quest was released as a home computer exclusive. Not for DOS, but for home computers more famous for gaming in Europe like the Amiga, Atari ST, Commodore 64, and ZX Spectrum. While received well critically, its limited availability could not have been a good sign for where the series was at. A little-known Japanese development company called M2 would look to remake the original game in 1993, but it wound up being a full-fledged sequel in Gauntlet 4 for the Sega Genesis. Gauntlet 4 would introduce concepts such as character leveling, shops, and the ability to save your progress. After that, the series went largely quiet. Even though it had gone out with a high-quality installment, the series had not had a Western-developed release since 1991, and had not seen a release in the areas where gaming was most popular since Gauntlet 2, released in the arcade in 1986 and the NES in 1990. However, in 1998, that was all set to change. Atari and Midway Games decided to reboot the franchise and retool it for a more modern era, and titled the game Gauntlet Legends. First, the game was placed in a three-dimensional setting, which was the obvious choice given gaming trends at the time. All new environments would be placed in fully realized settings with the same spirit that the original series had. Waves and waves of enemies would come at the group of up to four players as they tried to navigate their way towards defeating the ultimate boss. Gauntlet Legends would also take the ideas started in Gauntlet 4 and incorporate a leveling system that would allow the player's character to grow and become more powerful the more they were used. The arcade incorporated a password system as well, allowing players to come back and continue their progress. did well enough to receive ports to the N64, PS1, and Dreamcast, each having their own particular set of idiosyncrasies. The N64 port, released in North America on August 31st of 1999, was the most arcade accurate of the bunch, allowing up to four players simultaneously with the expansion pack. The PlayStation 1 port, which was delayed until March 30th of 2000, only allowed two-player support and didn't even support the console's multi-tap accessory. While the Dreamcast version, released on June 6th of that same year, would support the iconic Gauntlet multiplayer experience, it's not a true port of the original arcade game as it added features of Gauntlet Dark Legacy, a tweaked and larger version of Gauntlet Legends. Critics were largely lukewarm on the game, 
giving all versions average to slightly above average scores. While it may not have been everybody's cup of tea, it was pointed out that the multiplayer aspect of the game was indeed the main attraction. Since its release, Gauntlet Legends has remained in the past with no major ports or remasters to speak of. And aside from a few of the games popping up on Midway compilations, the franchise lays dormant once again, with the last major release being 2014's Gauntlet. That is your brief history of Gauntlet Legends. All right, thank you for that brief history, Shane. I'm actually somewhat surprised finding any real history on this while looking it up, because I had to piece together quite a bunch of different things, which one would assume we normally do. Shh. <laughs> but I wasn't able to find a lot in, in really anything in, in terms of how this game is really put together, just which is which is weird because you ask people about this game and and their experiences with it just you know in a casual sense and a lot of people are like yeah i remember gauntlet legends and it seems like it's an important experience at least for the n64 like this is this is a game that's familiar with a lot of people so not having that information is somewhat shocking yeah i, I don't know i'm actually surprised by that i mean it's it's definitely not the first time that we've come across this sort of thing right where we'll go to talk about a game and we go to research the brief history and it's just like, oh, that nobody gives a shit. <laughs> no, like nobody's nobody's said anything about this game. Like, all right. I mean, we've had brief <laughs> histories that are like two paragraphs before. Yeah. So it's not unprecedented. But yeah, I mean, this is probably some of my personal bias talking because I am one of those N64 people that really like this game. But I would have thought that there would have been more information about it. I mean, you were saying to the point where like even the some of the like walkthrough information on like game FAQs and things like that are pretty sparse by comparison, right? Oh, the, the game, the game FAQs or as I say it, game facts mm. that they have plenty of information there. What's sparse is if you're trying to go somewhere like YouTube to see exactly where people go. And I'll talk more mm. about this on the gameplay because the, the maps, the, the way that the, the game facts that they describe it, like these, these maps can get pretty big. Yeah. And like putting that all together and, and trying to figure out can be somewhat confusing, especially in a game where you can just watch people do it. And even a lot of these videos, they they're like from 10 years ago, seven years ago with low view counts in terms of just walkthroughs and playthroughs and stuff like that. I haven't really looked for reviews because, of course, I don't want my opinion swayed in, in one way or another. I'm just watching people play it. But normally, even for older games, you find no commentary, high quality playthroughs. And for Gauntlet Legends, that just didn't exist, at least for the N64, which is the version I need to say that we are talking about today in case there's I any mean, confusion. I mean, certainly the version I'm talking about. I don't know about anybody else, but yeah. Yeah, because the, there there are differences across across the different versions here. They they are not the same. Uh, the and I mean that structurally they're they're somewhat similar. I did see some videos on that. Like I, I watched some videos on some of the PS1 levels, and they're they're very similar to what the N64 was doing. But a lot of other things are different. Same with the arcade, like uh, some item locations and the Dreamcast. As we already said, it, it incorporated parts of Dark Legacy, which is is kind of an expansion, but kind of also different. So 
like they're they're all different in their own little ways but there's not a lot of information on that and again it's it's mind-blowing that this information isn't more readily available for a game that seems like it was popular from what i know it was pretty popular yeah yeah i'm also shocked at those review scores i looked them up they're about like 70 percent i mean and people are allowed to be wrong that's fine (laughs) yeah i mean i'm not i'm not here i'm not here to say 70 percent is bad i mean that's a that's like an averagely good game you know from the media usually right yeah it's like average that's average uh for yeah gaming media but like you you talk to people and you you yourself shane when i when you were getting ready for this episode you were super stoked about it because you you have a lot of personal experiences about this and a lot of other people do like it's just so glowing so it's very it's very off-putting but i i don't want to you know just bury bury the entire episode here in the, the response to the history here i think i do did do a good segue here for personal experiences and i'll kick this off i'll save i'll save shane's for the middle and and we'll get to uh, Kiyoshi's here right after right after Shane and have him close him out personal experiences because I think those are far more juicier than mine because I'm just going to say I I played Gauntlet Legends for the first time uh, for this episode and <laughs> didn't play it when I was a kid I think I knew about it no, I definitely knew about it I've definitely heard of it but it was not one that I played so I will leave all those personal experiences and all that good stuff for for you two and I will kick this one over to Shane and say Shane I, I know you've kind of alluded to this, but what is your personal experience with Gauntlet Legends? Man, I don't know what you're talking about. There was no alluding. I, I was not trying to be sneaky. <laughs> I played the fuck out of this you game. You weren't. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. So I, I've seen a lot of people put this one up as one of the one of their like rental games, and I think that'll actually come up in our pontifications later on, actually. Like, for instance, 1080, when we talked about that. That was a rental game for me, right? Like I never owned it, mm-hmm. but I rented it enough that I should have probably just bought it. But this was not that. Like I, I, I can't recall exactly when I got it or what the circumstances around that were because I'm almost forty and my brain is shot. So whatever, I don't know. It happened is the point. And my brother and I played the ever living shit out of this game. To the point where, and I'm actually really happy that this still exists. I don't know how long N64 like controller packs are meant to last. I mean, so far this, this, this beast is still going, but, uh, when, when we fired this up again, because full disclosure, I was stoked enough about this that I was just like, Chris, you, you need to, you need to come over and play this. Like we need, we need to play together. You need to experience this the way God intended with an N64 sitting on a couch or in our case, a couple of chairs, but, uh, and also because this game mysteriously is absolutely impossible to emulate, <laughs> but that we'll talk about that yeah. maybe a little bit later. But when I loaded that up and I, you know, saw my save files on my controller pack, I still have my level 99 Minotaur on there. I don't think I maxed out all of his attributes to 999, which is the highest they can go. I I would actually have to double check that. But um, that in and of itself is a testament to how much I played this game. And uh, I I do think I played a lot of it solo, but I do think a lot of it was because it was just such a really great pick up and play co-op game for my brother and I to just sit down and play because my brother, for context, he's like four years younger than I am. And so at the time of this, you know, 
being new ish, you know, he, we were both young, but he was obviously much younger. And so it wasn't always that easy to play games with him because I mean, I actually, I don't know if you know if he listens to this, but if you do, I mean, I love you, but you sucked at these. Right. And so like (laughs) having something that like was pretty straightforward of just like, okay, listen, just run at things and mash the button and don't fucking die. Like he could handle that. Right. And so we had a good time with this. I think his character of choice was uh, Anubis. So once we unlocked the the Anubis version of the character, he played as that pretty much all the time. And I played the Minotaur. And yeah, man, I just it's I have a lot of good memories with this game. And I just really, really enjoyed playing it as a co-op experience. I do think much like, you know, other games of this ilk and perhaps other gauntlet games just in general, uh, I, I do think that that's really where it shines. But I think just the the even the light amount of RPG elements that are included in this, which we'll get more into when we talk about like gameplay, I think that's really what ended up like hooking me uh, because the, the gameplay on its own probably would have been fine, right? It's pretty straight up gauntlet, but it's just in a 3D space. But having those extra elements of like character progression and like unlocking things, that's really what like sunk its claws into me and got me to play this game like probably more than I should have. I don't don't know. But yeah, so that's that's my personal experience anyway. But what about what about our esteemed guest? I feel like your stories are probably even more interesting than mine. I don't know. I mean, what what is this game? I I don't play this game. Wait, did we get the wrong person today? God, no, no. Um, I'm really glad you guys played it together, actually, because playing it alone. I mean, it's an okay game when you play alone, but it's much, much better when you play it uh, with other people. Like any good, I guess I kind of want to call it a beat 'em up. Like Gauntlet, it's weird because Gauntlet's not necessarily a beat 'em up, but Gauntlet Legends feels a little bit more like a beat 'em up than like the old one. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I think the experience mm-hmm. of you know the co-op is where it obviously you said it already where it really shines and it, it like that's the way it's meant to be played, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, what's my personal experience with Gauntlet Legends? Well, in <laughs> 1998, I was going to school in San Francisco for 3D graphics, a very new and upcoming, exciting field of uh, of work for people. I, I was taking a class with a, a teacher named Ace Miles. And this guy, he was quite a character. He was, uh, he was a, a, a magician. And as a magician, he, of course he was, he, he wanted, yeah, no, I'm not even kidding. He's a magician. And, uh, <laughs> this is, this is the wild story anyway. So as a magician, he wanted to have a reel, a video reel that he could show people. And he wanted something to create titles for his his videos, you know, like uh, put some text on screen and have it look flashy and stuff. And so he found out that if he had an Amiga and this program called Lightwave, he could do that. He could create Hmm. 3D titles and make it all, you know, snazzy for his magic reel, right? But I guess one thing led to another and he started doing 3D modeling and then he started, like, after a while, he started teaching. And so I took his class at uh, this place called the Academy of Art. Uh, I took his class, I think it was in, like, 1997, maybe, something like that. And uh, 
he really liked my work and he said, Hey, uh, you know, I have this friend at Atari games who's looking for people who know Lightwave. Uh, you interested? And I was like, well, hell yeah. <laughs> like I love video games. I, you know, I want to work for Atari. That'd be cool. <laughs> and I thought, and I didn't think I was going to make it in. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a student, like I'm just barely getting into this. Right. But, um, the guy sat me down, interviewed me and stuff and looked over my work and, you know, a few weeks later I got a call. I was like, wait, you serious? Like you come in. All right. <clears throat> so I started working at Atari games and it was quite a, uh, a learning process to, you know, get up to speed with everything they were doing. We had, you know, dev kits and all this other stuff. The first project I work on there actually wasn't Gauntlet Legends. It was, um, something in the Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey series. I don't know if you guys know about mm. that, but I do. Atari mm-hmm. slash Midway had their their hockey games, and they were the Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey games. The producer at the time wanted me and just a handful of other people. I think it was like three other people to do a new version of the hockey game. So we were working on that for a while, and that actually helped me get my feet wet as like for N64 development. And it was sort of a low pressure thing because it was a hockey game, which was nice. I don't know if I should be offended by that. Obviously, well, <laughs> I mean, it was based on another game that already existed. Is more like what the low pressure thing was. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Not that it was hockey. It was, but we ended up improving <laughs> the graphics and the gameplay of this game, and then it got canceled. But it turned out I was actually hired, supposed to be hired for the Gauntlet project because that's where I was originally supposed to be put. Mm. And so after the game got canceled, I went and worked on Gauntlet for a while. My main task when I was on Gauntlet was to do animations for the intro, the ending, and a, like, if you game over type cinematic. You guys, being veterans of now, especially Shane, but also Chris, played the game, did you guys see an ending or a a, a lose cinematic scene by chance in the game? Yes. A lewd cinematic? Yeah, like cinematic. Not lose. Lose. Yeah, like if you lose. Not, not lewd. No, no, not lewd. Lose. <laughs> oh, lose. I did see the ending. If you game over, the, the, you know, you saw the ending, right? What was the ending? It was, it, yes. it was a page of text, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So what happened is uh, there was a real-time cinematics player that actually never got made, unfortunately. So 90% of what I did for the game was not in the game, as it turns out. But uh, I did a lot of work oh, no. for, for months. Oh, <laughs> I do have some work in the game still, but um, yeah, a majority of what I was doing was not actually put into the game, unfortunately. So yeah, <laughs> but anyway, that worked. Wait, I'm, I'm curious what, well, on, on that point, like, so what, what exactly happened yeah. there? Like you had created the content, but then it didn't get used because of the, the real-time player not being right. available so or like what? The idea was to sort of mirror the arcade game. The arcade game has pre-rendered cinematics for the intro mm. and the ending, especially, right? Right. They wanted something similar for the the home game. And there is an intro, but uh, even though I animated the intro, it's not the intro that's in there is not the, the intro I animated. Oh, okay. The intro that's in there was pieced together from pieces of some stuff that I animated and also stuff from just the game that they had, you know. Mm. animations for the uh, scorn model right you know and stuff like that so yeah <laughs> the animation that i did was all tossed in the garbage basically 
I mean, it was a good experience still working there and, you know, I got paid for it and everything, but it was, it was a bummer that didn't make it in the game. But yeah, it was mostly because nobody had time really, like all the programmers were like just crunching and crunching and crunching to get the game done. And just, you know, just the basic, the gameplay working out, you know, the major bugs and stuff like that. And we didn't have like extra, you know, bandwidth for somebody to actually write a a movie player for it. Mm. And it also turned out that the cartridge space may have not been enough to put these cinematics on the cartridge anyway. That definitely makes sense, yeah. Even though they were real-time cinematics, uh, they were getting very, very close to the... the. Uh, I think they paid for like 12 megabytes, something like that. I, I don't remember exactly how big the game was. They actually bumped it up at the very end because they just couldn't crunch it down far enough. So it turned out they did have an extra probably like four megabytes. But the movie player still wasn't done. So even if they had up to the cartridge size it still wouldn't have been in there but let me tell you about stuff that is in the game <laughs> that i did yes and unfortunately it's sort of minor but um so the there's a flaming axe that flies by the midway logo for gauntlet mm-hmm. i did that yes nice, oh, nice. I, I wanted some extra polish on it because this is you know gauntlet's like a, a flagship for atari right so yeah I was like, you know, this game needs some pizzazz, right? <laughs> and they, you know, they had their regular Midway logo and I was like, you know, this needs a, needs something. So flaming axe, the mage guy who's in the intro, who summons scorn is a model that I created. Nice. Oh, the actual, the actual like not the big bad, but the guy who summons the big bad. Right. The, the character who some, who summons him, not the big bad. I believe, guy, I believe but, his yeah. name is Garm. Garm. Thank you yes. very much. Yes. It just says the greedy Garm. mage, but yeah, his name is Garm. I didn't know if people would know who that is, so that's why I didn't use it. But anyway. Probably not. <laughs> no. You know, I did Garm. Well, who's that guy? I don't know. Uh, and the uh, the title screen was going to be a still picture uh, for the Gauntlet logo. But again, I was like, that. you know, the, the arcade game, it has this nice like like 3D reveal of the, the Gauntlet lettering and everything with like this, yeah. these light rays and things like that. And I was like, you know what? I have an idea. I think I think we can actually do this with a real-time, you know, uh, 3D graphics logo. And I worked on it with uh, our lead programmer, uh, Dave Oriva, to actually make the the real-time logo for the game happen. And I thought that was actually really cool. That's I'm actually most proud of that because having those polished touches on the game and having it look nice really i think really adds to the the flavor you know like uh a, a premium title always has these you know sort of hallmarks right where everything is is polished and it's you know obvious effort put in to make it look good yeah definitely so we used to call the blizzard polish <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i just you know little things here's a really odd little tidbit that i suggested and was and it actually got put in i think it was in all the the successive versions of the game after that, but it wasn't in the arcade, is uh, when you go down and exit in Gauntlet, like classically, the characters spin, right, when they go down. Mm -hmm. And in Mm -hmm. the Gauntlet Legends arcade game, they don't. And when I was talking to people, I was like, you know, shouldn't the characters spin when they go down the exits? Like, that's what they always did in Gauntlet. So I actually talked to some people, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we should make them spin. So they, they spin when they go down the exits now. It's such a small thing, but like <laughs> that's important, though. It it's, is. It's a small, but it's an important detail. This is also just like 
I'm sorry. This is okay, Chris. You've you've had your like fangirl moments before on the show, and <laughs> go for it. No, go th- for it, Shane. No, this one's mine. <laughs> it's just it's crazy to me. Like just talking to someone who was just like, oh yeah, like I suggested that when it was a thing that was like a fucking part of my gaming experience growing up. That's just wild. So anyway, <laughs> continue. It's fine. I mean, that's pretty much it. But um, I, I was bummed that didn't have an ending. I mean, that was the main thing. I was like, well. It's really too bad we didn't get, you know, anything for the ending. Like, we didn't even get still graphics or anything, you know. They could have done something. Mm. Well, I mean, you see, you, you shot yourself in the foot with that title. That's what it is. You used the oh, fallout space I for it, that title it screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's all gone. <laughs> but, uh, no, they were very, very, like I said, they were very close to that 12 meg. I think, I think it was 12 meg anyway. And so they were really hesitant to put anything else in the game, even though, like I said, they ended up going over but they didn't have any time to change it at that point. So right. it is what it is. And I think it's still, you know, I think it's still a great game and uh, I'm still proud of it as one of my first released games ever, you know? So now I just really want to see what those like extended scenes would have been for like the intro and the, and the outro. <laughs> well, if yeah. I dig them up, I'll, I'll let you see. <laughs> I, I don't know if I, yeah. I don't know if I still have them around. Like, I'll have to find out. Now, as as a bit of a tangent, was was that the reason? I don't know if if, if you don't know, just just well, I don't even know why I'm saying this, but was that the reason that the the PlayStation One was delayed until March? Because I know that the N64 came out, and the PlayStation has the cinematics. So was was that part of the reason? No, that that's not the reason. The arcade game had the okay. cinematics. They just crunched those down and put them on the PS One. Uh, the PS1 was delayed okay. because it was got an it, outsourced it, it, project it. and it just was running behind, I think. Mm, got it. I, I don't know the details. It was being, you know, overseen by somebody else. So, right. right. <laughs> I only heard that it was two player and I'm like, what? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, awful. Like, you got, you got Gauntlet, <laughs> it's two player. Oh, well, but I think, I think the version's still all right. I, I haven't played it personally. Man, is this like one of the few times that, the the N sixty four can claim victory over the PlayStation. <laughs> Actually, no, I think I mean so would, Midway yeah. and and Atari were very very good at making N sixty four games. They were like one of the few mm. companies that really like doubled down on the N sixty four. So I think a lot of their games came out very well on the N sixty four, and they were all done in house too. So gotcha. That was pretty important. I think they weren't you know. They weren't attempting to port from PS1 or something like that. Right, right. I'll, I'm also an N64 hater. I love to hate on the N64. But I will say when there's like a, a multi-plat opportunity, usually the N64 at least controls or performs slightly better. And I'll give the N64 that all day. I, I just remember as a kid, like, yeah, you want those movies because the FMVs and the CG FMVs, they were they were it. So you're like, oh yeah, this has like CD quality audio and and movies and stuff like that. But in in the case of Gauntlet Legends here, uh, what we just mentioned, just just having that ability to do three players out of the box and four players if you have the expansion pack, and that's not even an option on the PlayStation. I mean, that's that's a huge W. <laughs> that's not yeah, even close. Yeah. Oh wow! So thank you for all of that information, Kiyoshi. I I'm probably just gonna like listen to this episode 
again once it's published and i never do that because that that information i, I love that i love all of that yeah, we don't listen to this show <laughs> that was really cool but now it's time to progress and we're going to go into this game's plot and writing which i don't think this is a game that has a lot of that but i, I might be mistaken here so shane you are the the fangirl <laughs> let me tell you the deep legends here let's go that's no, nice it's 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 not much uh yeah okay so essentially i mean we kind of already alluded to some of it right but the the basic premise as if you really need one for a gauntlet game you know beyond just kill lots of things uh there was a corrupt mage and his name was garm and uh he used a set of 13 rune stones to summon scorn the demon and then of course in true demon like fashion scorn you know, double crosses Garm, uh, imprisons his soul in the underworld, and then uh, Scorn being like, "Hey, these these rune stones, I feel like those might be my Achilles heel. They're they're my downfall. So, what does any good big bad villain do in fantasy? He takes them and he scatters them to the the edges of the earth, assuming that no one's gonna take the time to go piece them all together. But haha, that is where our heroes come into play." And uh, we have to go and, you know, uh, explore, what is it, like four different kingdoms with eventually a fifth one uh, to to obtain keys to allow access to a desecrated temple to banish Scorn to the underworld. And then once you get all the rune stones, you actually go to the underworld with the final showdown with Scorn himself. And uh, that's 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 pretty much it. That's the story. It's Diablo. You forgot Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I Sumner, mean Sumner. you know you were making that joke yeah Sumner <laughs> Sumner uh, you were making that joke before about how Diablo is basically gauntlet and then like when we sat down to play this and you're just like oh it's Diablo and I'm like uh, fucking yes I guess fine like you're not wrong yeah he's not you're out he, you're out of line but you're not wrong <laughs> It, that's that shout out to Mast Keaton, Poppy the Keaton, by the way, who got very upset on a King of Games 2 decision over Diablo 2 advancing over one of his favorite games. And he's like, it's just Gauntlet. <laughs> and we we're like, why, yeah. why would you say something so controversial and yet so brave? <laughs> uh I, I guess, I mean, that works for the plot and the next section, too, but uh, we're not on gameplay yet. But yeah, I mean, the, the plot is essentially the devil is here. Go kill the devil. Right. And do all these things to get the devil. Right. Go. go I mean, yeah. Go pick yeah up, you know, it works. Pick up all the stuff so that you can go kill the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Go, yeah. go find the important MacGuffin thingies. Mm, there you go. I know this is probably more in sound, but I just want to say the the audio quips. And I told this to Shane while you were playing together. It's like, this is so incredibly cheesy, and I love it. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think when I when I defeated the dragon the first time, well, I, I, the only time because I only defeated it once on my way there. But it was like I, I couldn't hear it because I had a, like a podcast going on in the background because I didn't know what the reaction would be, and I just heard this like ridiculous laugh, like ha ha ha. You beat my servants. You think you can beat me? Ha ha ha. It's like, well, yeah, I just killed one of your dudes. You're not worried at all. Like, I love that because it's like campy and it's like total, you know, hubris bad guy energy yeah. the entire time. 
and I love shit like that. I just it's like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm everything's going according to plan, even though you just thwarted one of my plans. I, that's what I wanted you to do. And you know what? Um, Scorn yeah, out here playing 4D chess. <laughs> Now, the entire I mean, time, the entire, he wanted to be sent to the underworld. That's where he's most powerful. Yeah, that's that's true. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very yeah. Saturday morning cartoon villain. It right? is. Yeah, I, I think you know the other yeah. thing that they wanted though is um, since it was an arcade game, they wanted you to be able to hear it and recognize what the guys were saying, like especially Sumner's lines, um, you know, the needs food badly or whatever that kind of stuff. Like they had to, you had to be able to hear that over the noise of an arcade. True. Yeah. So the more or the more over the top it was, the easier it was to kind of, you know, hear it in the arcade as well. So I'm going to save this for like the the audio portion, the music and sound. But I I have a question about one of those voice clips that may maybe you can answer and settle like a multi decade mystery for me. But we'll we'll get to that later. <laughs> it might be unlikely, but yeah, we'll see. But I I think that's. You know, for all the time we spent on uh, 1080 snowboardings and the the Nepo baby Nepo baby adventures of Ricky Winterborn, <laughs> I think it's time to move on sure to gameplay. Winter bottom. <laughs> yes, let's move on to the gameplay here. I think we we kind of said this. I'll I'll start this one off, and I'll say the gameplay is it's gauntlet. I I don't know how to better really permit you you pick a character you get four characters to start out with which are warrior wizard valkyrie and archer and somehow the archer becomes a valkyrie later when you level her up enough um excuse uh, me I, the archer becomes a tigress when you uh, i thought well she becomes a valk i asked you that it's like what did she become you're like they called her a valk mm. yeah i don't know you remember that i do yeah, yeah. it's confusing yeah it's a little confusing, but anyway, the all the four characters have different stat bonuses uh, or or strengths, which the warrior has highest uh, does the most amount of damage with their strength stat. The archer has the highest speed, so they can move around a lot quicker, and their attack rate is higher. The wizard has highest magic, so their potion damage is is higher, while their range is higher for potions as well, which is uh, an item you can use. And the Valkyrie is just average, and you just do it well i think it's defense but yeah it's it's yeah. a higher armor but, value yeah yeah and so you just move around a map and enemies come out of their little hovels and you need to destroy their hovels as they come to you in waves and that's pretty much gauntlet for the most part you pick up items that give you special abilities and you find your way to the exit through switches and keys and all sorts of other things in a 3d environment and there are multiple levels in as shane already said uh, five different stages and uh, there are bosses for each of those stages that have weaknesses contained in the various levels which are kind of somewhat disappointing because they just <laughs> kind of knock off a bunch of health and then they're like okay now go kill it which if you're not ready for it you'll definitely know and uh, I did a good enough job I hope of describing that for everybody if, if you don't know I'll go watch it 10 year old YouTube video, I guess, but uh, yeah, that's that's the general gist of it. All right, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, say, yeah, okay, you let me let me let me lay down some more details Expound here. Found on that, yes, okay, yes. Fine. All right, so yes, it is essentially gauntlet, uh, but I think there are a lot of important, like some somewhat minor details that I really appreciate, and then some other 
perhaps bigger things. So one of the things that we've talked about on countless times at this point on the show is how difficult in a lot of cases, the transition from 2d to three dimensional space was for particularly a lot of pre-existing IPs because they're like, how the fuck do we do this? A lot of them did not do well. I mean, one could argue that Sonic never quite made the jump very well and perhaps still hasn't to this day, maybe. And that's Truth. just one example, you know, but this game in particular, I think did it fantastically well. And it's sort of up there with like Mario 64, in my opinion, as far as taking something that was a very well established two dimensional game series and translating the spirit of that gameplay into a fully three dimensional space and still making it not only feel the same as you would expect from the series, but feel right in that 3D space. Gauntlet Legends does that very, very well, in my opinion. And that's part of why I really enjoy the gameplay as much as I do is not only does it translate you know that sort of somewhat admittedly basic gameplay of just like spam attacks at things until they stop coming at you and just having those sort of like maze-like layouts of the older gauntlet games but it takes that and really like in my opinion builds on it quite a bit where you do end up getting these very sprawling three-dimensional levels that also have, you know, verticality to them. There's a lot of hidden secrets and switches and items and things like that. I think the other part, um, as far as like the, the monster spawners go, right. Um, something, and I pointed this out to Chris while we were playing when he was over at my place is that the, the larger spawners that, you know, pop out like the, the big burly dudes, as you attack the actual spawn point and it breaks down, there's several different levels that they will break down to. And each time you break down a spawner to like a lower level, like as you're breaking it apart, the enemies that come out are actually completely different models. They're completely different 3D models of the same enemy, but it's just like a smaller, lesser powerful version. And in a lot of cases, I think there's at least three i want to say different versions um yoshi might be able to keep me honest on that one but i think there's like three typically for like those the bigger spawners and that's a really I cool touch i think it's three yeah yeah so i really appreciate that and it also the game just adds a lot of variety that wasn't always necessarily there in you know previous entries uh you know along with a lot of the items and honestly the biggest thing like i said the thing that really hooked me as far as far as the gameplay goes it's just the the rpg elements that got factored into this the ability to take the the gold that you acquire from running these levels then come back to that central hub area and talk to summoner the wizard and you know go into the shop and be able to purchase stat upgrades to further like build out your character it's very very simplistic especially by today's standards but it's just enough in a game like this to make me, you know, keep coming back to it to the point where, like I said, I ended up with, you know, a max level Minotaur save file. So anyway, wanted to expound upon a number of those things. There's definitely other things we can talk about, but those were the first ones that really sort of like jumped out to me. I'll definitely get to my opinions here in, in, in a sec. I just wanted to lay the foundation, lay it out there. 
Yeah, I know we're going to get deep in here because you opened up a, a lot of a lot of avenues we can go down. But uh, Kiyoshi, what's what's your opinions on the gameplay here? What what does you what do you feel when when playing this game? Uh, well, I'm going to be honest, actually. Um, when I was working on it uh, and I saw what the arcade game was doing, I was actually very critical of it. I thought that the original Gauntlet had more positional tactics uh, to it. Mm. Mostly because you can see more, you know, like the Gauntlet Legends is <clears throat> very zoomed in compared to the True. original Gauntlet 1 and 2 uh, arcade games. And I thought there was always a lot of good like party tactics in those original games where, you know, someone would go like open a wall and then everybody else would have to like deal with the, th- the horde coming in while the other guys like running back right to the team. And there was always like a lot of strategy around sort of positional tactics if you're playing well right <laughs> if you're not just getting like overwhelmed right. and so i thought that that aspect was lost in gauntlet legends but um what kind of replaced it and what i think gauntlet legends actually does well is that especially the console versions is you can build up like like shane was saying you can build up the items that you have and you can preserve them until critical moments when you need to use something to you know clear a horde real quick or you know, uh, timing your turbo attacks just right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, being able to crush a, uh, a you know, one of the spawning, like, hovels or whatever with your turbo attack especially is really critical sometimes. Like, and in particular when you're playing by yourself, you better hit it, otherwise you're, you're in trouble, right? Especially <laughs> when you get further in the game. And so having all, all that stuff at your arsenal and, like, being able to decide what to use at certain periods of time and, you know, and positionally in the levels is actually really important in Legends as opposed to what you would do in the other games, right? The, the other games are much more simplistic in that manner. So tactically, mm-hmm. the game is very different from the original games. But I, I do think that, I, and I do sort of still wish that it had more of the positional tactics of the original still, but as, as a fun experience and as something that has its own sort of take on it I think it, it's fine like I, I've definitely softened to it over the years and I'm not as critical of it in that manner anymore I kind of understand it better now but yeah when I was younger and I was working on the game I was like ah, they, they lost mm. a whole aspect that you know needs to be there but you know it is what it is this is not my gauntlet <laughs> it's not my gauntlet <laughs> but it was my gauntlet wait a minute <laughs> foil to get I actually um Something you said there, uh, Kiyoshi, that I actually do agree with that. I, I had started, start, I started to have problems once I got into the later levels in particular. I think it may have been, I don't know if it was the, like the very last level or maybe the, the like the, the fourth one, like the swamp one. I don't know. One, one of the later levels though, is that, that zoomed in perspective on it, uh, uh, the lack of the ability to control your camera, Oh, especially yeah, yeah, when yeah. the hordes would be coming at you. And you're trying to determine where they're coming from because you're right that that turbo is extremely vital, especially when you're playing alone, which is what I had to do for roughly you know more than half the stages because I can only spend so many so much time playing with Shane in, in real life and dedicating what I can myself. But like when you're playing alone and those those whores are coming at you and you you can't take them out from standard attacks alone. You no, have yeah, to yeah. pretty much take out every single enemy hovel with your your turbo charge is trying to determine where they're coming from and most of the time you can just shoot in any random direction you're going to knock out a bunch of them which is always great 
but sometimes you see a big group of enemies and you you don't know exactly where they're coming from but they're all swarming towards you and in order to survive you have to knock them out but then you have to wait for that to charge up again you have to hope that you at least knocked out one or two of them to to at least crowd control all those hordes coming in and because sometimes that camera position isn't exactly where you want it and you can't control it that makes that difficult to approach in situations like that and sometimes that can feel unfair if you're playing yeah, alone yeah now if you have a party if you have multiplayer the way it's meant to be played it's it's much different but i can see how that could be frustrating in a single player experience as it was sometimes for me yeah certainly now going back to something that going back to something that shane said is it, it's it's simplistic when you when you look at it it or like now I think it was simplistic then too, going to shops and just upgrading your stats through gold. I think that's like more of a, that's more of an older kind of way to level up your characters. But that's also one of the, the like the simplicity, it makes it somewhat addictive. It, it, it has those, those gotcha moments to it. So a kind of a detractor in the situation is that like when you get low on health, there's, there's not a lot of ways to get your health back. And one of the best ways to get your health back, or what I did, was go back to the very first level in Gauntlet and <laughs> yes. Legends, like the very first one, the Mon Mountain Valley, and just keep playing that over and over and over and over again because you get 600 health and like 1,000 gold and a bunch of items you could se sell to get up to 4,000 gold. Now, the health is very expensive. It's 1,000 gold for 100 health replenishment, not to extend it like all your other stats, but that's what you had to do. And actually, that didn't bother me because the stage was short enough. Uh, you got enough rewards and you could build up enough stats that you spend a half an hour doing that. You can get back to where you want to go, even if you're low on health. I, I remember one time getting down to 1800 health and having to build back up to like 6000. And it took me, you know, 30, 45 minutes to do that. And I, I get like not a lot of people are going to be able to do that. And but that that grind in and of itself was just very cathartic. It was very rewarding, too, because I gained levels doing that because you get a ton of experience doing all that. You get like 6000 experience, which, you know, is all relative. That, that could mean absolutely nothing to you when you say, oh, 6000 experience. What does that mean? But essentially, like you play it twice, you're going to gain a level, a level and a half every single time you do that trying to get your character back up in terms of health so even when you progress the challenges in front of you especially if you're playing alone become more and more diluted and that is something when you start feeling like a complete and total badass and a complete wrecking crew all on your own that's a really powerful feeling getting deeper and deeper into the game and just realize that you can pretty much manage an entire map and that that simplicity uh, that the, the way you level up your character and the way that you like regenerate the health of your character that that's one of those I, I played that game for almost six hours straight and that that's very rare where I have a game where I just sit down and I lose track of time yes. but the way that the that one of us that, that loop <laughs> that's yeah, incredible that way that game loop operated that that kept me just feeding on it and be like I can I can do one more level I can do one more level I can do one more level and that's that's the mindset and that's the mantra I got while playing this game for almost like six, seven hours straight for an entire day. It was it was great. I, I do sort of think, I think that, that's a great um, point, though. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I think that 
they should have replenished your health at some point, like after you beat a level or after you beat, especially a boss. I, I thought that, especially after beating a boss, you should have a health regen just for free. Mm. But <laughs> for whatever reason, they don't. So I'm just like, okay, you have to buy your health back or you have to go grind that level, like you said. And that's what I did too when I was playing it. I, was, I would just grind level one over and over. Yeah. And I guess, you know, when you're in the groove, it's it feels okay, I guess, but you know, in terms of like expediency, it's not real great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think the interesting thing there is that like, I can see both sides of it. Right. Because I think I, I want to say objectively, I think we could probably agree. That's not necessarily fantastic game design to have to go back and do that in order to just regain health. But in some ways I almost, maybe, maybe not entirely, but at least partially, I'd like to give this game a little bit of a pass because of kind of what you were talking about, Chris. And I, it's something that I almost feel like it's overlooked in some cases or just completely dismissed out of hand because people just don't like that particular style of gameplay. And if it doesn't suit them, then that's fine. But I don't think that there's just one type of grind when it comes to video games specifically. There are some that are actually genuinely enjoyable where it doesn't even, you might not even call it a grind because it's just like, oh, I'm just, I'm playing this and I'm enjoying it and it's fine. Uh, I personally think that a lot of the Diablo experience fits squarely into that category where it's pretty much just grinding, but the gameplay is entertaining and enjoyable enough that it doesn't feel that way and i think that this game does a pretty good job of that as well where yes you are inevitably at some point if you're going to play this game long enough inevitably you are going to have to do some grinding for either for health or gold or or whatever it's gonna happen but that never really bothered me because i just genuinely enjoyed the gameplay enough that having to go and do those things didn't actually really feel like a chore and then part of it is isn't is the gameplay but i think the other part of it is what you you mentioned which i think is the other sort of critical piece in that puzzle and that is it's still rewarding in and of itself outside of like the reason that you're doing it in the first place right if that makes sense like the reason you were going back right was to get your health replenished but the side benefit of that was that you were still actually meaningfully progressing your character um so you're getting this this sort of pseudo tangential benefit uh in addition to accomplishing you know your like primary goal and so to me i think that coupled with the pretty satisfying gameplay mechanics makes it so that 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 grind really doesn't feel much like a grind no it it didn't feel like a grind at all it it, it was genuinely just addictive it was almost kind of like a mobile game in a sense if you if you know what i mean like a, mm-hmm. a like a gotcha mobile game free to play of course where you don't have to spend microtransactions and you get some fun <laughs> out of it i wouldn't encourage anyone to get microtransaction-y games yeah but don't be like me <laughs> no <laughs> But what other criticism I do want to levy, and this this probably goes more to the grinding thing and, and maybe the development mindset, and because I don't know why they did this, is 
one thing I do know is why they want you to get all the rune stones because that that makes it so you can get to the end of the game. That's that's fine. And the game lets you know when you miss a rune stone in a level. That's also fine. That's all that's good. But one of the problems I experienced and maybe this was more of the grinding element or or whatever the case might be is that some levels you're progressing through and then when you get to a certain point it will block off you going back in case you miss something. And there were cases where it's like, I, I know there's a runestone in this level because at some point I was like, hey, I, I, I have to get everything together here and I need to you know, beat this game. I'm kind of on a deadline. And I, I realized that I needed to go back. I missed a switch somewhere. I, I don't know where it is, but I need to find it. But all of a sudden the game's like, oh, no, can't go back. You made it to this point of no return in this level. You got to go forward. And it's like, well, now I got to abort this level. So there was one level that I had to go back to three times and the levels start to get ridiculously large Mm -hmm. in terms of the way that this game is set up where you're going to be wandering around it for 15 to 20 minutes, just going through hitting all the switches and progressing through it, especially if you're doing it blind. And it just got to a point where like, okay, I, I, I think I'm following this guide to a point and how did I miss something? So I spent like an hour and a half, two hours in this one level in the ice level in the mines. I think it was the, the frozen mines trying to find this damn rune stone. But like if I just went a little too far, it would be like, oh, you, you can't go back and hit that switch you missed. So you know what? You're just going to have to abort the level and start over again. And that, that's so crushing and defeating you're not going to know that if you didn't know you missed the rune stones, but eventually the game's going to laugh at you and say you can't beat the game unless you find it. And then you might get yourself into a cycle where that continuously happens, especially when the levels get more and more expansive the later you get. I, I do think that does have to be pointed out as much as the game loop is addictive in and of itself and how much it does provide that, you know, that satisfaction of giving your character a level up and the ability to go purchase those things. But yeah, it does something I, I I do need to speak on. I think that's fair. Plus, uh, the game quite literally laughs at you. Because <laughs> if does. you finish the level without getting the runestone, that motherfucker is just like, you missed it, leaving without the rune. Like, yeah, fuck you, buddy. If you didn't tell me, I wouldn't be able to kick your ass later, but thanks. <laughs> He's really helpful. He's actually a pretty nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Just misunderstood. That's right. He's a misunderstood <laughs> villain. He just wants you to see the underworld. It's it's a he's expanding your horizons. You're not very well traveled. He's just, you know, showing you all over the place. Right. It's been too long since I played the game, so I don't even remember that. You can't go back in some of the levels. But uh, yeah, I can I can see how that would be very uh, off putting. Yeah, I don't know why they did that, because it was only for certain levels. Most of them you can go back. Yeah. Yeah. Like the first two levels, it never it never felt like we were ever gated off. Did it, Shane? Like the the first two locations, which were the the mountain and the uh, Valkyrie's castle. Like if we needed to go back, we could go back to the beginning of the level at any time. Yeah, yeah. I don't but think in there later was a levels, point. They're like, no, you can't. Yeah, no, I don't think there was a point where we couldn't backtrack because I mean, we ended up having to do that a few times where we went quite literally from the very end of the level all the way to the beginning to to find something. <laughs> What are we doing wrong? Yeah. <laughs> we thought we hit all the switches. Got to kick over a little pile of dirt or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think those are a little too random, too. Some of those are too well hidden. <laughs> They're too blended into the environment. You did your job too well. <laughs> hey, I, I didn't do that job. <laughs> <laughs>
That's that, that's not my fault. Yeah, he's like, I take no ownership <laughs> of this whatsoever. I wasn't on the level team. They uh they should have painted a giant yellow X. That's what over, they needed. They needed those the giant walls. yellow X's. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need that magical line that directs you like where to go to get to the next objective. That's right. <laughs> oh, what were they thinking? <laughs> oh my god! I think Zelda One also needs those. You know, just paint a giant yellow X on the bushes yeah. you can burn. It's, you know, it's what you need. It's what, it's what you need. Exactly. Any, anything else we want to say about the gameplay here? I know I went on a very long diatribe. Oh, let's see. I mean, I think we uh, we covered quite a bit of it. In the grand scheme of things, they're fairly simplistic, but I did like the addition of the the bonus levels that you you access through like the doors with the the skull and crossbones on them in certain levels where you would go and then basically it was just like a coin collecting stage where as long as you grabbed 50 coins within the time limit, you'd be able to unlock like a, a different version of one of the four characters like the Minotaur or the Tigress or things like that. Like that was another thing that you know, honestly just kept me playing, just finding those and being able to unlock new characters. Like eventually you can play a summoner with the wizard, actually. Mm. Yes, you can. Yeah. I just want to say those stages are probably chaos when you have all four people there. Yeah, especially since it's a shared screen. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Whew. I would want to see that chaos. I think that's that's true with the original ones too, right? The coin levels. Mm-hmm. The original Godlight. Would you have to go back multiple times to unlock those characters if you didn't get the 50 coins? Like, you just hold on to those coins. and Yeah. It's just, yeah, you just yeah. keep however many coins you got and you'd have to go back and do it again. Mm-hmm. And I think I could be wrong about this, but something in my brain is telling me that if you were playing on a harder difficulty, I feel like those bonus stages were harder to do. Like, I think you, you either had less time to complete them or it was more coins. It was something like that. Mm. I don't recall. I do want to say I think the bosses are... A pain in the ass. I don't want to say there's shit because I I don't think I'm playing them correctly. And when you do employ strategy, that they're easier uh, instead of just getting upset that I just can't stand in a corner and shoot a bow at them the entire time and not get hit, which almost happened. I was like, I'm surprised that worked as long as it did. Actually, <laughs> it did. I do think the bosses are are level gated to a degree mm-hmm. because when I leveled up a lot, I like I went to the dragon and fought it by myself. Uh, me and Shane couldn't defeat it on our own and then I went back and defeated it on my own after I leveled up a bunch on that first level of regaining my health and everything uh, you get these special items that can take the boss health down like about a quarter or so but the rest of it you're on your own so like these items are supposed to be these big boss killers and they're very very much hyped up to be so but it's kind of underwhelming when you see what happens to them <laughs> We were me and Shane were both like that's it <laughs> Like, that's all that happened? Oh, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? And, like, we're doing hardly any damage to this dude. But apparently, you, you are supposed to grind. And once you start grinding and once you get your stats up, the bosses become a lot more manageable towards the end of the game, with the exception of, of you, score. You can actually, um, you can use, like, the, the item buying stuff and or, like, collecting uh, can help you out too. So like if you have a multi-shot or like a three shot or a five shot, um, you can do a lot more damage much faster. True. There's certain things you can use. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like when I got the three shot, I think I wrecked the second boss. That's why I figured out like, Oh, Oh yeah. Like I'm holding on to the rapid fire. I'm holding on to the, like three shot and stuff like that. Like this is going to be fun. Yeah, exactly. Then it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to say that about the bosses. Anyone else have any boss commentary? 
So I just replayed mm. the mountain and uh, I had a similar experience as you did like, where the dragon like just totally destroyed me. But then um, mm-hmm. I also realized that I could uh, I could get a three shot if I stand behind one of the rocks and have him destroy it. Like I, <laughs> it popped an item with a, a triple shot and I grabbed that uh. and did a bunch of damage. So there are little secrets and, and strategies that you can use for the bosses. Also, obviously standing behind the rocks, you won't get hit by his fireballs most of the time. So that's uh, <laughs> right. very useful. Yeah, I mean, after a while, I was like, okay, I, you know, I took him down and figured out like the pattern and stuff again. It's been years since I actually played the game, so I'm, I'm glad I played it at least a little bit <laughs> before this episode. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest thing, and maybe maybe we did something wrong, I don't know, but... Uh, uh, Probably. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's likely. Uh, it had also been a very long time since I had played, but when we finally got that ice axe from the, the Valkyrie's castle and then went back to fight Dragon, I was under the impression, I was just like, oh man, this ice axe is going to totally fuck this dragon up, like... It'll, it should take out at least half its health or something, or it's going to empower us with extra damage or whatever. And it did this whole like big intro of like zooming in on the axe and then it's starting to spin and then it flies at the dragon and it's like, oh man. And then it, what, I mean, Chris, what did it do? Like, it wasn't even a fourth of its health bar. I don't think. <laughs> no, you're like, uh, because we both, <laughs> we both watched that. We're like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And then it hits him and we're like, oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, we're done. <laughs> that did nothing. <laughs> it helps. It's just not. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, a huge chunk. Yeah, so like I feel like for the time investment that we took to like go and actually get that item, it I, I don't I don't think it was worth it. <laughs> it sure looked cool though. No. Oh, it did. It looked it looked badass. Yeah. But it was just the realization dawned on both of us. We're like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> But I think that I think that kind of wraps up our opinions on the gameplay here. I think we've covered this quite well. So I think it's time to get into the graphical presentation here and, and how this game looks. And I, I couldn't think of a better place to start with this than yourself, Kiyoshi. What, what, how do you think this game looks here on the N64? Well, uh, I think it looks actually pretty good. Um it it runs well, which is very pleasing uh, for an N sixty four game. Mm. It's uh, it's fairly smooth. It doesn't have a lot of problems, or at least in single player. I haven't seen it in four player in a long, long time. In single player, it has very few like frame drops, and it, it generally runs pretty well. On the whole, I think like the textures look nice. Um, one of the things that's very uh, merciful about this game is that everything is zoomed out, so you know fairly far, so that. You're not seeing really chunky polygons all the time. And um, some of the character models, especially the enemies, are very low poly uh, because you have to squeeze so many on screen at once. So it is quite a mercy that it's uh, zoomed out enough, uh, you know, to still look pretty good at the distance you see it at. The lead programmer, uh, this guy named Dave Oriva, really uh, did some magic with this game, actually. Uh, I saw him at one point. He like pulled out all the stops and he he got four four wizards in a room with the five shot expansion on all all four wizards with ricochet also turned on mm. and like he was shooting <laughs> like just massive amounts of shots everywhere and I was like wow it actually like it, it holds up it, it it was starting to you know lose frame rate but 
it was actually doing better than I thought it would with, I don't even know how many bullets on screen. It was, you know, probably near a hundred, all like bouncing off the walls and stuff. So I, in terms of like pushing the amount of enemies it does in terms of pushing the amount of shots and like, you know, heroes on screen that it does, uh, I thought it was actually very, very good in terms of performance for, you know, the quality of the time, the N64, right? Yeah. Right. And yeah, it's just, uh, generally I think it's a, it's a pretty good looking game. Uh, one thing I thought was clever too, is he actually turned off the, uh, the smoothing on the textures. So it doesn't have that, that smeary look to it. Oh yeah. 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 So it's funny because almost every game on the N64 uses it, but it is an option to turn it off. You can turn it off. I think it actually helps the frame rate a bit to turn it off since everything's, you know, Mm. like I said, it's actually kind of, you know, it's not getting too close to you. Like not having that filter on is fine for that game. And so when you say turn it off, like that's, that's like a developer option, right? Yes. That's a developer option. Although the Mr. Core allows you to turn it off yourself if you want to, if you have a Mr. Mm. And I don't know, maybe some emulators do. I don't know if they do. Yeah. There's like four post-processing things that the N64 does. One of them is, I think one of them like smooths, smooths the pixels. So they're not chunky. They're not like, you know, stair step kind of chunky um one of them is dithering right and one of them is smoothing mm-hmm. like the the smeariness like the, the trademark n64 smeariness is like the last step where it, <laughs> it just like smooths everything mm-hmm. across the whole thing and then it does anti-aliasing also but there's a lot of little filters that you can that it, when you're actually developing the game you have control over if you want to and Interesting. so uh, Gauntlet legends okay. does not use that final smoothing Interesting, but yeah, I think I think the game looks good. It runs well. I mean, as an N sixty four game, I'd I'd give it thumbs up. It's uh, I think it's pretty well done. Okay, Shane, what do you think? Uh, yeah, so it's it's actually kind of funny because if there's, I'm sure there's at least one uh, <clears throat> archivist or historian in our midst that will probably call me out on this. So I'm just gonna get ahead of that now. <laughs> and, and I know for a fact that. There are a few occasions where I've used this game in particular when I talk about how the N64's graphics generally have aged like crap. <laughs> and yeah, and, and even though it's one of my favorites. And upon further reflection, like when going back and actually sitting down and throwing the cartridge in and playing it on original hardware on a CRT, I have to genuinely take back what I said about that because. And, and Chris can verify this because I, I definitely said this when we were playing the other night where I was like, you know what? Actually, this game looks a lot better than I think I was giving it credit for. And that's really interesting that you bring that up about that developer option not being on and getting rid of that like smeariness, because now that you say that, that that totally lines up with like what I was feeling about it, but couldn't put my finger on. So that makes way more sense to me now. And I think part of it, honestly, is I'm remembering certain sections of the game where, and I know Chris made a point of saying this when we were playing as well, where the game does admittedly get real dark and not like tonally, but like literally I can't see shit. (laughs) And I think those were some of the places in my mind that I was sort of remembering that of just like. Oh yeah, it's like really kind of like a lot of brown and black and kind of muddy texture and like it's hard to see things and and whatever. So yeah, I do I do agree that um certain levels are too dark unfortunately. 
Mm -hmm. I think they partially did that because uh, we had vertex lighting tech on the uh, on your shots when you when you shoot when you shoot your bullets or whatever the swords or your magic or whatever mm -hmm. they would actually light up the room if there were vertex or if there's vertices nearby for the polygons it didn't always happen right. but you know I think they might have taken that a little too far though where it was just too dark <laughs> but I think they wanted to show off like hey we can light you know we can light the stage with the uh, with the magic that's going off and stuff like that so I think that's partially yeah, why check that out happened, this bullshit we did. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, I think, like I said, I think they took it a little too far in some cases and it was just dark, dark. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could see that. Um, but no, I mean, on the whole, though, it, it actually, graphically, it actually does hold up really well. And I, and I think a lot of it, outside of some of those greens and, and browns and grays, because those honestly are never super great, Especially in like the early polygonal era like this. That's why games like Mario 64 generally are going to visually seem like they hold up a lot better than some other games like, oh, I don't know, GoldenEye, for instance. Just <laughs> throwing one of those yeah. out there as much as I love that game. Uh, but no, I, I actually, I, I really do think this game holds up fairly well, like all things considered. And as far as performance is concerned, there's definitely a few occasions that I think even we notice and it's interesting that you bring up that thing uh, with like the four wizards and, and the multi-shot and all of that, because I think for the most part, the performance is pretty exceptional, but there are still definitely sometimes, particularly when you have a lot of enemies on screen coupled with more than one player where even just like with the two of us playing, there was some, some noticeable slowdown. Oh, sure. I mean, it, it'll still drop frames. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is to be expected, right? Like it's, it's the N64. Like you, you, we know what we're working with. Right. I'm, that's why I said for the era, I think it runs very right, well. Right. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, exactly. And so, and, and yeah, so within that like context, yeah, no, I think, I think the, the graphics hold up surprisingly well, especially compared to a lot of its peers. For graphics, I, I do think the game runs very, very, very well especially considering what the game tries to do, which is throw a bunch of character models at, you know, the player character, especially in a situation where you're going to have potentially multiple player characters up before all engaging with these hordes and hordes and hordes of enemies. There's, there's a lot going on at once. If you look at the character models, the character models aren't too complex. And this mm -hmm. goes for enemy character models, player character models. Nothing like that is just overly complicated or very detailed. Uh, so if you're coming into this game, you know, with with hearing the graphics perform well and you're looking at these character models and you and you're somewhat disappointed, you have to remember that this is the kind of game that's going to throw a bunch of shit at you on screen at once. It can't afford to do that. So when you think about how many character models, fully 3D rendered character models are coming at the character and displayed on screen at once with minimal slowdown. Yes, that is tremendous accomplishment. And for the N64, as as Kiyoshi said here, uh, the, the environments are, are well detailed. You're not going to there, there is no fog. There's no N64 fog in here. Mm. Uh, do I think that the graphics themselves still have that? I, I, I know that it was already said that it wasn't there, but I, I still think it has a little bit of that Vaseline smear. And I was playing this with S video when I, I was playing at my house. And when I was over at Shane's, he was using, you know, the, the peasants. <laughs> A composite uh, uh so it's like the connection <laughs> of the people chris uh, whatever it's 
it's it, it's definitely just more blurrier. It, it's it's not RF, <laughs> so at least you're one step above that. That's true. <laughs> but there there's a difference definitely in text being able to read text when you went bumped it up to S video, like the text was very crisp and clear. I know that's not something that people typically think about, but like I that is something that I kind of pay attention to, especially when you start going back and, and the text is can be small, which it can be in Gauntlet, especially when you're trying to save your character and descriptions and everything like that. That is important. But overall, like there are times where I could swear and I don't, I don't think it ever did, but there were times I could swear this game was running at 60 frames per second in some instances because just the, the smoothness of the motion that there would be when only the player character was on the screen and there was nothing else around you and how fluidly it moved. That's not something I was necessarily expecting from a game like this uh, because yeah you're seeing all these low poly character models relatively speaking and you're thinking oh, okay they they probably didn't care too much about the way this game was presented because this, this feels just like a basic arcade port but then you do see how much care was put into it when you know you're you're swarmed by what feels like 50 60 enemies playing alone and the only thing that really slows it down is when you pull out your giant mega fucking turbo attack of doom and wipe them all out at the same time. And I think like just the way things look is very important, but how those looks perform within that environment are equally, if not more important, because the best game can look the best. But if it doesn't optimize what that hardware is capable of, you can't play the fucking thing. You can definitely play Gauntlet Legends because that's just what they did. Everything just works very well uh, in terms of a visual presentation. So I'd have to agree with Kyoshi here and say thumbs up. Definitely from an N64 perspective, it's not as as clean and crisp as what you get probably definitely from like a PS1 emulator. And when the Gauntlet Legends was emulating well enough to get through that intro, uh, it looked brilliant. So I can get through the intro and it looked very good there when, when, when it could be up But aside from that, uh, it, it does look good when, when played on original hardware and I'll give it all the credit in the world. So just today I saw somebody saying that they thought that Gauntlet worked on Muppin now, but um, I, I don't have any confirmation of that. The uh, N64 emulator. Mm. It works on Mr. It, yeah, it should work on the Mr. I haven't tried it yet because uh, I haven't downloaded that core. Okay. I am excited to try it. And if it does work on Mr., Mr. actually has a core that can run games even better than a real N64. And that has just happened. So oh. you can play stuff like Banjo 2 at full 30 frames per second instead of like 18 to 20, something like that, which is nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of the Mr. I think uh, stuff is going to be quite nice, especially, you know, if you're a fan of. A system you just want, you wish that it just could do a little bit extra, you know what I mean? I have a dev tidbit for you uh, in terms of the game performance. Mm. So our lead programmer, also, he wanted to try to get this game to perform as best it could, right? And he actually worked very, very hard to to get it to perform well. One of the things he tried, which he didn't keep it in the game, but he tried it, was to de-res the screen when it started slowing down. Mm-hmm. He found that well, it, while it worked, it didn't actually really improve the frame rate very much, so he took it out. Because you have to do a lot of calculations to do that, to right. like, you know, de-res the screen on the fly. Games do that nowadays, actually. 
back then it was too big of a CPU hit, I guess. I think it was kind of a new thing. I don't know if it was ever done back then very much. He really, really wanted the game to run as, as well as it could. And that was one of the things he tried. And I got to see that. And that was trippy because it goes from like, but like 240p to 100p or something like that. It's like really, really <laughs> blocky. <laughs> it looks like a Super Nintendo transition, you know? <laughs> I think they did a good job, though. I, I really do. I was very impressed by how many enemies could be on screen at once. No, it can, it can oh, handle yeah. a large amount of things on screen at once. And yeah, it was built specifically to do that obviously yeah and that's 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 definitely what you want in this kind of game and that's part of the experience is like oh shit here's like 50 enemies coming right at me i i gotta figure this out if you're not getting that part of the experience then you're not getting the whole experience so yeah exactly yeah 100 percent. all right we're going to move on to the audio here the audio presentation we have kind of mentioned it already We've gone into this a little bit with, with how uh, Scorn has talked and and whatnot. But what what do we think of the overall audio delivery in, in, in for Gauntlet Legends here, Shane? All right. So here's my question. I don't I don't know if you'll be able to answer it, but you are quite literally the closest to this game <laughs> that I've ever gotten to anybody. So it's worth a shot. What in the world is the warrior saying when he gets food and it sounds like he's saying, Nyam! what is that? Oh man. So I'm sorry. I can't answer it. I don't know. Damn it. <laughs> I'm going to go to my grave not knowing this. Have you tried listening to the arcade audio by chance? Because a lot of that stuff's from the arcade. I haven't. Maybe that's what I should do. I think it's higher fidelity in the arcade version. So you should try listening to the arcade version. That's my answer. I mean, I guess, you know what? I guess that's a good answer. I'll take it. I don't know. It's just something that like I've never figured out. And w- my brother and I, when we were playing when I was younger, we always just assumed he was just like really weirdly <laughs> saying mine, but we're not sure. Huh. Yeah. And unfortunately, I, I'm not very close to the audio. So I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, the mystery persists. That's all I got, Chris. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's it. What the Fine. fuck was he saying? That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Kiyoshi, what, what did you think of the audio design here? I think it's presented well. Like you said, the the voicing is pretty cheesy, and I mean that's fun in its own right. But um, I think the audio samples are very like compressed. You can kind of tell they're a bit muddy. Yeah, that's including the music and the the voices. I don't I don't recall if it's in stereo. I think it might be. It is. Yeah, yeah, I think so. At least from what I could hear. Yeah, I do really like the music compositions. The compositions were originally done in the arcade game. Let me see. Uh, John, John Paul, Paul and Barry Leach. Yeah. So the console version was done by Barry Leach, famous for uh, okay. Top Gear, I believe. Oh, that makes and sense. He remixed some of the audio or the music for the game uh, from the arcade version. The arcade version still has very good music, uh, but Barry took it up a notch for certain things. I I especially like his version of uh, Desecrated Temple. It's very good. It's a original Gauntlet theme remix. It's uh, real good. Yes. Gregorian monks and stuff. I like it. But yeah, I wish the samples were higher quality. I think the sample quality is the biggest negative for the audio. I mean, it's the N64, right? That was the biggest knock. Well, not the biggest, but one of the biggest knocks. I've heard music that's more clear on the N64. Sure. But you even said they were getting up against the size that they were allotted for the car. Yeah, they were really pressing that the size for the cart 
you know, the, the reason why, you know, people would be like, well, why didn't you just get the bigger one? Well, because the, each sale of the game takes a hit in terms of their profits if they up the cart size because mm. they pay for every megabyte that's on that cartridge. They're paying Nintendo to press the carts and the cost goes up if the cart's bigger. So yep. keep them as small as you can. And that was the, the motto for N64. And it was unfortunate because... You know, if the N64 had a CD, well, you wouldn't have had to deal with that. No. I also have to agree with everything you said, really. Like, I, I do like the fact that the the voice quality was very audible, and I could understand everything that was being said, apparently, except from Shane's yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, other than that. <laughs> the important stuff was actually very audible, yes. Yes. But it was you could tell it was heavily compressed in, in all those things. But I actually think... You know, playing it and, and going through on original hardware myself through my through my TV, I thought that the music quality, uh, the the composition was very good. The quality, the way that was coming through my speakers is very good. I thought it was in terms of its soundtrack, which is normally where I go to for audio critique was was incredible. Uh, like, again, playing through that first level over and over and over and over and over again just to make sure that I my health was good the music there is 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 a banger and there's so many there's sometimes when the music just goes into the background because you're just more focused on just laying waste to enemies that you're not even really thinking about it but uh there are times when that music really comes through like you said when you go to the cathedral and it has that gauntlet remix coming through of the original game and even i was like someone who didn't hasn't played a ton of gauntlet like oh yeah i know yeah, this yeah thing. yeah very recognizable yeah, like this badass i yeah i love this but yeah i think a lot of the music compositions were very good in the game sometimes yeah like, like it was more ambient in some stages but the themes were very strong for the music oh yeah very much so yeah like i'm pretty sure summoner's tower is just burnt into my brain forever <laughs> for the amount of time that i spent mm -hmm. there and it's it's such a good track i mean even the honestly even the title screen music is just so good with like that that like organ just going ham it's like very it's almost very like castlevania-esque almost in a way at least that's where my brain goes but yeah no i i really appreciate all of the the compositions in this i'm curious because i know that this wasn't like your area or anything but uh the soundtrack of the game actually has something like six or seven unused tracks on it do you know anything about those at all no, unfortunately, I don't. I didn't even know it had unused tracks, actually. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I was just curious if you had heard tell around around the office or something about that. No, but... I mean, Barry <laughs> Leach, I, I don't even know if he was in the U.S. when he was doing, like, he, he was, uh, you know, contracted to do the music, so mm -hmm. I never saw him, really. I mean, I'm sure some people did, but I, yeah, I wasn't involved in the audio stuff, so. Right, right. Gotcha. I just, I just do graphics. Just, just graphics. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to also point out that the sound effects, I did like them uh, as well, even though they, like they were compressed, uh, you could tell they were compressed when you're like, you know, desecrating their little hovels and every single time you hit it, it sounded like a building being knocked down and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They were compressed. I did like them. What I really liked is every single time that you heard the smack of your, your weapon, being shot and hitting the enemy like smack 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 it never got old it was never too distracting it was very rewarding and i loved it very so satisfying. that is a sound effect that i do appreciate 
Yes. Yeah. I love that smack sound, <laughs> knowing that you're damaging that damn enemy. I'll also say that the uh, the the sound that like almost like a I want to say like a bull or or something. Um, the screech the suicide bomber enemies oh, make. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very iconic. Yep. Yeah, because that was always like when, especially when my brother and I were playing, that was always like, a, oh shit. Like we had to figure out where he was. So that that was another one. Might have some uh, some lingering stress from that. <laughs> and the archers, the archer shot being called BFG. Oh yeah, that was good. Of course too. it is. <laughs> Why is it? Don't worry, That's don't great. worry about it. <laughs> it's a reference to a different game, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bow something gun. Yes. 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 All right. I think uh, we're ready to move on to our patron pontifications before we get to our final thoughts. And you might be asking yourself if you're listening to our show for the first time, but what are Patreon pontifications? So our patrons write in and let us know what they think about our game of this week. And if you want to be part of that, you can join our Patreon and then you got to join our Discord and we will post what episode is coming up next and you can post your thoughts there and we have quite a few people that wrote in for gauntlet legends which is one of the reasons i said i was surprised that there's so little information on how this game was developed out there on the interwebs so yeah here here are our patrons and their lovely contributions to this episode and i will start this one off with the comment from adam from the good the bad and the backlog podcast great great friends they worked with us on the king of games 96 which is out there available for you to listen to now and adam says i like the idea of gauntlet legends but for whatever reason i could never find the motivation to continue playing past the first few couple of levels which is sad because i like gauntlets and i consider myself a legend wow <laughs> thank you adam uh, and go listen to the good the bad and the backlog all right we actually what if you played it <laughs> that's that's always debatable uh we actually got quite a few this time i'm, I'm happy about that uh all right so next up we have the emperor who says i liked playing the gauntlet legends from the early 2000s in the arcade but the console ports were kind of trash compared to the arcade edition <laughs> wow wow all right <laughs> Savage. Savage. <laughs> Pulls zero punches. <laughs> All right. Next is next is Tony G. And Tony G says, Gauntlet Legends taught me two things in life. Ah, uh, sustenance is fun to say, and I like food. Who says I like food? I know Ah uh, Sustenance is the archer. It's a good question. I don't know now. Okay. I remember it being said, but I don't know who it was. I mean, regardless, it's no, so, you know, no. <laughs> All right. Next on the list, we have the one and only Discimera from Game Over Hell on YouTube. And he says, God of Legends was my first experience with the series back when I thought it was some random game that got left over in the rental store shelf because nobody wanted it. Even back when it was new, and this might be because I was too little, it had this energy that made me suspect it was probably targeting young adults. I really tried to push through, but by the time I returned it, I struggled to go very far in the game due to difficulty. I always wanted to try it with more players, but my brother didn't care for it. 
My interest in the game is renewed nowadays because I now know it's a classic arcade game series. And even though everyone seems to say the N64 version was the weakest console version, to hell with multi-tap BS, it's N64 or arcade. Is that is that really the sentiment? I thought the N64 I was... didn't. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think I that's that was the viewed as the better I mean, one. Unless, so if he's coming at that from a more recent standpoint, then people would probably say the Dreamcast one or something. Mm, okay. I, that could be understandable. I mean, I feel like that's an Just unfair because, comparison given that it mixes in it, like it dark legacy shit. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, right, Discamera. <laughs> we love you. Next is uh, Mast Keaton, a.k.a. Poppy the Keaton. The high score challenge extraordinaire. I've heard you're something of a uh, high score challenge aficionado there, Kiyoshi. What? I don't know anything about that. No. Huh. High oh. scores? <laughs> okay. I just work on games, right? I, you know. hmm. Yeah. Right. He, did, he made this one axe one time. That's right. It was, it was on fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Keaton says that I had this on PS2 and loved it. I think he's talking about Dark Legacy. Uh, the two things I remember most is how frustratingly hard it was to unlock the unicorn guy and the interesting way the whip using Drider dominatrix boss made me feel. <laughs> hey, my entry was more lewd than Adam's because Adam definitely does have lewd entries. True. Thank you, Keaton. That- Thank you, Keaton. I do not remember a, a dominatrix boss. So I do think you're talking yeah, about Dark yeah, Legacy, but that technically does count. Yeah, it technically counts. All right. Next up, we've got Ozzy, the review crew executive officer. Did we did we give him that title? Is that official? Like, do we? No, I just gave him that. Oh, okay. I, like, I wanted he, to give him like review crew CEO. I was like, I was, is he being <laughs> yeah. paid? Like, I don't. Anyway, uh, he says I can't. In love. Spe- <laughs> He's being paid in love. Ah, yes, <laughs> paid in exposure. Anyway. All right, so Ozzy says, I can't speak much to Gauntlet Legends because I didn't play it as much, but I can definitely talk about Gauntlet Dark Legacy. God damn it. Guys, you had one job. <laughs> All right. Which is essentially the same game and will likely never be talked about. That's, that's probably not true. We'll, we'll probably get to it. But anyway, playing it by yourself, it's not much to talk about, but play it with friends, and it was one of the few cooperative experiences that would immediately trigger emergent magical moments. Getting pinned down by endless hordes of enemies, one character running low on health, only for the other player to grab the meat <laughs> like an asshole. Yeah, Shane. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who does that. Inadvertently triggering a trap, it all elicited yells, hollers, and laughs. All of this is packaged in graphics that are not much to speak about and sounds that repeat over and over. Ouch. But it doesn't matter because it all comes together for an experience that will be permanently imprinted in your brain. I can agree with that. Yeah. I can agree with that. Next, we have Ray Ray, who's not being a quiet man for this episode. Unusual. And Ray Ray says, my friend and I played the Dreamcast version of Gauntlet Legends just to spite Omi. Wait, who's Omi? <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no idea. I don't know what the reference is yeah, there. I don't know what he's talking about. Hmm. All kidding aside, it was some good fun, but playing co-op enhances most gaming experiences. Because this would be a drag if I played it by myself, especially since I played it 20 years too late. Nevertheless, exploring and figuring things out with a friend gave us some bonding and laughs, and that's what I'll really take away from this game. Thank you, Ray Ray. Really do appreciate it. Yeah, good. Alrighty, we've got Lunchbox, aka the Disgruntled Gamer on YouTube. And he says, I have always liked the Gauntlet series. I still play the first two on a regular basis. Now, Legends is a different story. You see, my friend and I rented this on N64 back in the day, and for some reason, it just didn't hold our interest. 
so we went back to Gauntlet 2 on the NES. Now that I remember, we didn't play much on the N64. Even back then, the games looked bad, and that garbage controller can fuck <laughs> off into the void. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> really ended on a strong note there. I'm an N64 controller. Apologies. For the record, I, I, I actually like the N64 controller. I, I don't think it's that bad, actually. I, I, uh, yep. I actually do, too. I, I do as well. Uh, I actually use the Hori Tribute. For, well, not the Hori tribute, but the, the Retrobit replica for this. And Shane looked at me in a very cross fashion when I brought it to his house. Hey, listen, so there, I was prepared to, to let you use my awesome translucent purple N64 controller. And you were like, no, I brought my own. <laughs> it was a translucent blue controller, Shane. And it was shaped like a mini Dreamcast 3D pad. Yeah, I mean, sure. Whatever. It's cool. You do you. Yeah. You turn down the translucent pur- purple. <laughs> right that's what i'm saying <sighs> can't believe Fine, it. i fucked up okay <laughs> look <laughs> friendship over you're not getting the real experience you have to use that one right next is matt aka stormageddon from the fun and games podcast among others one is screen snark i believe they do a couple other of podcasts mm-hmm. all great you should go check all of them out and they say i love this game when it came out I grew up playing Gauntlet on the NES all the time, so when I heard this was coming to the N64, I was hyped. It probably hasn't aged well, but I haven't played it in a long while back when the N64 came out. It was one of my go-to multiplayer games that I played with my friends. Favorite class will always be the Warrior. I loved how also in this version, the different colors of the different classes had different costumes. I agree. And you could unlock stuff as well, like Minotaurs and such. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I chose the Red Archer for my playthrough because the Red Archer looked like a hot woman Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a very specific niche. (laughs) All right. And works for me. I mean, yeah. Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) Indeed, she was. And uh, last but not least, we have. She's a lady. (laughs) (laughs) I will take her out for a nice steak dinner and then never call her back. Uh, all right storm beagle from the retrotopia podcast says i remember loving this game but it was a renter for me i think i played it at a sleepover with friends on the n64 and had such a great time with it that i rented it myself but alas it was not as fun to play single player this game really benefited from having a bunch of friends over or playing it at the arcade i could agree with that yeah for sure Mm -hmm. and make sure to check out retrotopia for their retro gaming podcast as well. Okay, so that concludes all our pontifications. We do not have any miscellaneous information here. I know Kiyoshi, uh, before we started recording, said that he had some miscellaneous information he may want to share more along the lines of Gauntlet 4. So if you're still down to share that, Kiyoshi, would you be interested in letting people know what you what you have there? Sure. So <laughs> this is... A little off topic because it's Gauntlet 4. My friend and uh, my indie development partner, his name is Chris Tang. He actually was at Atari Games before I was, and he worked on Gauntlet 4 for the Sega Genesis. For anybody who knows Gauntlet 4, there's stories out there that it was developed by a now somewhat famous group called M2 from Japan. They submitted the a request to be able to publish or develop Gauntlet on the Genesis or Mega Drive in Japan. And they send it to 
Atari Japan, and Atari Japan apparently didn't know what to do with it, so they sent it to Atari US. Chris was writing copy at the time, but he was also sort of like quality checking games and stuff like that. It came across his desk, and he wrote a bunch of notes about it because he got he got the ROM and he got to play it. And he was like, well, Gauntlet 1 isn't, you know, that relevant these days because it was much later than, you know, like the NES Gauntlet 1 or, you know, even Gauntlet 2 had come out and there's been, there had been some time, right, between then. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, you got to add stuff to it for people to want this game. You know, it can't just be four player. It has to do more, right? So he came up with this thing well, like, I think the NES Gauntlet 2 had sort of an adventure mode, and he he wanted the Genesis version to have a RPG mode. So he actually wrote this stuff down and sent it back to them. And uh, yeah, I'll let him tell the story at some point, but uh, <laughs> he actually mm-hmm. got M2 to do a whole lot of extra work, as it turned out, uh, for Gauntlet 4, and that became the sort of the hallmark of that game. And it also sort of, it gave M2 a springboard to develop games with a little extra. And that's something that M2s became known for these days is they'll port a game, but they'll also add something extra, whether that's, you know, like the fantasy star on Sega Ages with, you know, auto mapping and, you know, the bestiary uh, and all that yes. stuff. Like, it's not just a ROM of fantasy star one. It actually has all this stuff, you know, extra to it that helps you out or is just interesting, right? M2 over the ages has has done a lot of that sort of stuff. You know, they've added 3D to all the three the Sega Ages games on the 3DS, for example. Mm-hmm. Gauntlet 4 was sort of the start of M2 being the M2 that we know today in a way. And very oddly, the guy who I work with uh, was sort of a part of that, even though he didn't do any of the development. You know, he was just writing a request from Atari. <laughs> he was the idea guy. Yeah. It's like the one time when the idea guy was successful. <laughs> <laughs> but that is important because those mechanics greatly informed how Gauntlet Legends would be when you, when you think about it. A lot of those elements are present here. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff was was built upon, yeah, for the, the next games that they did. Yeah. yeah. Oddly enough, I never met him while I was at Atari. We We, like didn't cross paths our, our time at the company was not overlapping i met him later in life we just happened to have the same sort of taste in games so we wanted to make stuff together like yeah and now Football. i have a very specific person to hold accountable for the reason i spent so much time on gauntlet legends so. <laughs> <laughs> we can hold the whole team accountable not just me <laughs> i was talking about him oh, but oh, yeah. oh him oh yeah okay you can help yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> Hold he's like oh not me yeah no go for it <laughs> I'll also never ask to uh, get into a high scores challenge with him over Xevious that that might be a mistake <laughs> among other games <laughs> if you have similar tasting games never get into a high score challenge with Chris Tang he's way better than I am <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't know he's actually the Sega world champion he won the, the Sonic Rock the Rock competition oh yeah oh wow that's that Chris okay. Tang <laughs> Shit. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know what? If he ever, <laughs> ever comes into our Discord, he's just effectively banned from the monthly challenge. Yes. <laughs> 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 All 
All right. So I guess that brings us to the end of this episode. And we are going to discuss whether or not we think this game holds up today. Me and Shane will go first and we will let our guest get the final word on this game's final verdict. I, I think I will I will go first here, Shane, because as we build up and you have more reverence for this mm. game as, as we go into our, our esteemed guest. Uh, so I will start this off and just very simply say yes. This this game holds up. I will say that it does take a while to get into a groove. But I played most of this game by myself. And as you've already heard from our patron pontifications, this game is much more fun playing multiplayer. I don't think that's arguable. This game was designed to do so. But even playing it by myself, if if you like Diablo, if Diablo is your jam, once you get into that rhythm and once you figure out how this game wants you to play it and how it wants you to progress through the levels and just how it wants you to progress as a character you're going to fall in love with it one way or another it's it's just hypnotic it will draw you in almost vampire saviors-esque but with slightly more brain power <laughs> it's just one of those games that knows how to just be addictive and have a game loop that's that's satisfying and will always want you coming back for more so yeah, the visuals are are definitely a bit dated. They're not something you're going to look at and say, I I love the way this game looks today, but this was, you know, definitely good in its time. And it's a game that uh, I know Shane's probably going to say this as well is definitely worthy of an HD remaster. Please. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is something that that needs to come to modern consoles one way or another as this game was originally made. So 100 percent, this game does hold up. Shane, I mean, I 100 percent agree with that. And, and yes, I've been an advocate for an HD remaster slash remake of this game in particular for a very long time. I think it's almost and I don't say this very often, but I feel like this game truly is like criminally overlooked especially you know when we were talking earlier about how it was somewhat difficult to find more information about the game on the internet because there's just not really a, a ton out there and i think maybe in later years it's kind of had a little bit of a you know a, a, rena a renaissance perhaps a little bit of a resurgence renaissance. as people go and kind of discover it but <laughs> Honestly, and this isn't even something we talk too much about because I, I don't think any of us, Kyoshi included, I don't think anybody has the answer, right? But we don't know why this game is apparently total dog shit to emulate <laughs> when a lot of other N64 games seem to work well. There's just, I guess, some idiosyncrasies in there. I'm not sure what it is, but I think that might contribute to part of that because obviously that's the, the path of least resistance when we're talking about being able to play retro games you know it's a lot easier to do that than to go find a cart find an n64 etc etc but having said all of that it definitely in my opinion deserves all the praise that it that it does get and all of the praise that we've given it because it really is just a really distilled fun experience like and at the end of the day that's what we all play video games for is to have fun and this and Diablo, the first Diablo, because of this, the port of this came out in 
in 99, right, for the N64. So it was like OG Diablo and Gauntlet Legends. Those two are like the the two pillars of what would basically build a large part of what my my gaming taste profile is today. And you can see a lot of the similarities there. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, like if you can get your hands on an N64 and the the actual cartridges for this game are not that expensive, even with the retro game market, mm. eh, they can, they're comparatively, they're not like awful. What, what's your, mm, what is it at now? What's the, what's the market price now? 40 for a real for a real cartridge to, to me that's not terrible like if if you're if you're serious it's not about terrible well, I, it's not four hundred dollars no yeah. i mean it's not no, it's like not. 10 bucks that you can pick up at a garage sale or whatever but like it's still reasonably priced enough that i i think it's worth the money i really do especially if you've got at least one other person to sit down and play with but even if you don't as chris said and and my own experience speaks to this as well because my brother didn't always want to play with me when I wanted to play because I ended up playing it a lot more than he did. Uh, it still holds up really well even as a single player experience, but it's really going to shine when you have at least one other person playing with you. Um, so does it hold up today? Yes, absolutely. It's a ton of fun um, and it will definitely get you sucked into that whole gameplay loop that it's got going on for quite a while especially if this sort of game is kind of your jam like if you're in that somewhere in that venn diagram of like diablo arpgs and like vampire survivors and that style of thing like this this is your jam like you will enjoy this all right that that leaves it up to you here kiyoshi does this game hold up today uh, well, I don't know if I can add to any uh, any more to what you guys said. I, I think it does hold up today. Uh, I think that you kind of have to be in the right frame of mind. Like you said, you kind of have to get in the groove. And it does obviously help to have friends over and have a party. Go, you know, go to town on Gala Legends. So uh, I think it's a good time, you know, especially if you have friends. <laughs> 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 Which I don't have any, but, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> we're right. adults i don't have friends <laughs> but no I, I think it's actually it's a it's a good game it it has its own way of a method of of uh gameplay and i think it's uh it's something that's just timeless in a way it you know it, i feel like it it does a lot of things right that contribute to the overall fun of the sort of the multiplayer uh you know co-op experience that everybody seems to enjoy so you know, I think people should definitely check it out uh, if they can. And I don't think that $40 is all that egregious, especially for the N64 catalog. If you look at just average, like good games on the N64, 40 is not really that terrible. Games that go lower are usually ones that people don't really want. So I'd say West 64, like Wave Race. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That Twitter account's going to murder us now. <laughs> I like that Twitter account. It's a good account. I like that. <laughs> I love that account. All right. Well, uh, there we have it. So I think it's it's pretty unanimous. Gauntlet Legends, as the kids say, slaps AF. <laughs> I definitely irritated at least one person there. I think it's it's cooks. It cooks. Oh, no is shame. that what it is? It cooks. Okay. It has Riz. Ah, 
Yes. Stop while you're it, ahead. It is, in I fact, don't know. the Rizzler. Please no. <laughs> the Rizzler. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wasn't that a guy from Tron? <laughs> I mean, unless people were sticking out their gat for him, then I don't think it was the same Rizzler. <laughs> oh. Oh, God, I knew too much about this. All right. Anyway, uh, so first and foremost, uh, as we always do, we would like to thank our guest for being on the show so kiyoshi thank you so much for coming on and talking about gauntlet legends um this unironically has been a treat for me to to hear you know some of the inside baseball on a game that was like so important to me kind of growing up so so thank you for taking the time no thank you so much for having me i I had a great time and uh you know i'll be on the discord (laughs) Oh, who? I mean, I don't, oh, I don't oh, remember right. seeing Kiyoshi anywhere, but I mean, I mean, I, I just generally I use Discord. I mean, I'm just, you know, oh, just okay. Out. You're just around. Uh, I'm okay. around. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Message yeah. me sometime, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. I hope to, I hope to oh, talk yeah. to you. That was, man, so sly. <laughs> Too forced. <laughs> yeah. And actually, uh, before we go on to our own little spiel and whatnot, is there anything out there that you would like to, that you'd like to plug you want to let the people know about what you're doing out there on the internets or or heaven forbid in in the real world the real world i'm slowly working on a uh it's a space harrier like uh, inspired game uh called strike blazinger you can follow the development at twitter strike blazinger one word or you can uh follow us on strikeblazinger.com and Blazinger, just in case you need to spell it, is B-L-A-Z-I-N-G-E-R. I guess be waiting for that. It's, uh, it's been going on for a while, but uh, hopefully we'll have some new developments relatively soon. Nice. And I'm glad that you actually said that because I definitely would have just pronounced it Blazinger. <laughs> He's just like, shit, yes. I didn't think about that. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. And as far as we are concerned, if you are listening to this then consequently that means you've already found us so you you've kind of done the hard part honestly like you're here and so you know we hope that you enjoyed this episode if it is in fact your first one if it's not your first one i mean whatever we don't care no i'm just kidding actually we we really do care and to everybody who has been sticking around with us we very much appreciate that and if this is your first time then we do want to welcome you and if you would like to engage with the show uh, beyond just sort of letting it massage your brain case, then we we make that easy for you. All you have to do is go to our link tree. It's linktree slash retro hangover. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash retro hangover. And all of the fancy little buttons are there. You can you can tippy tap, you can clicky clack, it depends on what you're using, but it's gonna take you to where you want to go. As long as it has to do with us. Now, you could go to the Patreon or perhaps the merch store if you'd like to support the show in that sort of way. Should you decide to become a patron, you do get a lot of really awesome extra benefits, a lot of audio content that is exclusive. Can't get that anywhere else. As well as the the patron-only Discord channel where shenanigans occur. And, uh, but you know what, even if you don't want to do that, we are not exclusionary because the discord itself is in fact public. So we want everybody to jump in and have a good time. We have a really great community there and we are very grateful and very fortunate to have everybody that we do have. 
maybe Kyoshi will get in there someday. I don't know. We've been talking to him about it, but he <laughs> seems resistant. I'm ho- I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope. M- maybe someday. But if you'd like to do that, that's at that link tree, as well as our YouTube channel. And also the thing that Chris is obligated until the end of time to inform people about, which is our Twitch channel. So uh, what at the Twitch television do we do, Chris? Well, if you head over to olinefans.com slash dick track. Oh, wait. Uh, if you head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover <laughs> and you get eggplant pictures at Twitch. Yes. That's if you head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover at Sundays at 9 p.m. You can see us playing video games of some sort. Probably not during the holiday season uh, because we're out of that now because, you know, we're we're obligated to do real life stuff, unfortunately, you know, being uncomfortable in big social situations. But aside from that, uh, once we're out of that and, and we get to be more introverted, we could do this on our twitch.tv slash retro hangover at Sunday at 9 p.m. with our fantastic community where we can all do this on Twitch and play a video game and uh, be incredibly less awkward than we were probably over the holidays when we weren't able to stream for you all. And we're sorry, but, <laughs> you know, come over there. If you have nothing better to do, because we don't either. So come on and enjoy <laughs> whatever game we're going to be streaming for you. And we hope to see you at twitch.tv slash retro hangover Sundays, 9 p.m. Eastern time. See you there. All right. Well, I suppose. With all of that now having been said. Until next time. Play with your. The Retro Hangover has leveled up joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you or jump in head first with full 12 ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.